Please note pseudonyms have been used throughout this episode to protect the identities of living persons. In late 2016, David Allen sat down to relax inside his air-conditioned home after a long day of work. Life was stressful for American diplomats stationed in Havana, especially when they were CIA spies. Although David's cover was intact, he had to be vigilant. Relations between the U.S. and Cuba had greatly improved over the last year, but every American working in Havana knew they were under constant surveillance. Still, David pushed that thought out of his mind and got up to grab a cold drink. But as David reached the kitchen, he was hit by a blast of sound. It was painfully grating, like metals scraping against metal. He felt pressure directly between his temples, which escalated into a sharp and painful headache. It seemed like the room was spinning. The deafening sound was overwhelming his senses. David stumbled toward his front door. He struggled with the knob, but finally managed to twist it. It swung wide open, and he staggered outside. The pulsing sound was gone, and the pressure in his head dissipated. The terrifying experience melted away like a bad dream. However, the next morning, David's mind felt foggy. Something was amiss. David was the first American to demonstrate the perplexing condition known as Havana Syndrome. And he was far from the last. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. This is our first episode on what is commonly known as Havana Syndrome. From October 2016 through June 2018, a total of 26 American diplomats stationed in Havana suffered from an unexplainable condition that left them with symptoms similar to those seen with brain trauma. This episode will discuss the history of the syndrome, as well as the geopolitical backdrop that cast a shadow over the entire affair. Next episode, we'll discuss the broad range of theories regarding the syndrome's underlying cause. Some have suggested mass hysteria, pesticide poisoning, and even the sound of Jamaican crickets. And darkest of all, some think it's a devastating new weapon. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. By June 2018, 26 Americans claimed to have suffered from the condition known as Havana Syndrome. The primary symptoms were hearing loss, imbalance, and nausea. Some victims even had trouble remembering certain words and events. Before experiencing their symptoms, almost all of them heard the same unexplainable sound as the CIA operative were calling David Allen. Some described the sound like metal scraping against metal, while others felt an intense pressure inside of their skull. Even more perplexing, some victims didn't hear any sounds, but they felt the exact same symptoms, what felt like an inner ear injury and memory loss. All these people shared one thing in common. They worked for the United States government, and most of them worked in Havana, Cuba. Given the two countries' contentious history, many wondered if there was something sinister behind the Havana Syndrome. Since Fidel Castro's rise to power in 1959, the United States and Cuba have endured a historically bitter relationship. Not long after he took over, Castro nationalized all Cuban assets. To further distance his country from capitalism, he also hiked taxes on American imports. In response, the U.S. extended a trade embargo on Cuba. These tensions came at the height of the Cold War, when the United States was in an ideological conflict with communist nations. And with Cuba only 103 miles from Florida, it represented a powerful threat to American interests. President John F. Kennedy was extremely concerned with Cuba's ideological and political alliance with the Soviet Union. So on April 17, 1961, Kennedy decided to end Castro's regime before it truly began. In an operation known as the Bay of Pigs, 1,400 CIA-trained Cuban exiles attempted to overthrow Castro's communist government. It was a colossal failure. The brigade was defeated in two days, and the U.S.'s involvement in the plot was quickly discovered. Shortly after the embarrassment, the already fraught relationship between the U.S. and Cuba was made even worse. Both countries had expelled each other's diplomats, closed their embassies, and Cuba shut its borders to American citizens. And tensions continued mounting from there. 
On October 16, 1962, Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev placed a battery of nuclear-armed ballistic missiles in Cuba. Khrushchev claimed these actions were in response to the U.S. putting its own missiles in Italy and Turkey, close enough to strike the Soviet Union. The standoff between the two superpowers lasted for 13 terrifying days as the world came close to nuclear annihilation. The ordeal finally ended after President Kennedy and Premier Khrushchev reached an agreement to dismantle the nuclear weapons they had placed near each other's borders. But this agreement did little to ease the tensions between the U.S. and the USSR, and by extension, Cuba. Relations between the U.S. and its communist neighbor remained adversarial for decades. Even once the Soviet Union dissolved in 1991, it wasn't unusual for leaders from the U.S. and Cuba to trade barbs while giving speeches. But in 2011, Fidel Castro's long reign came to an end when he became too ill to lead his country. Castro's brother, Raul, became the new secretary general of the Communist Party of Cuba, and he was willing to listen to overtures from the American president. Taking advantage of this opportunity, President Barack Obama moved to restore diplomatic ties between the two nations. With the help of senators like Vermont's Patrick Leahy, communication channels between the U.S. and Cuba reopened. On December 17, 2014, President Obama and Raul Castro announced in a joint statement that they would be restoring full diplomatic ties. In a gesture of good faith, Cuba exchanged a jailed U.S. government contractor for three Cuban prisoners. Following this act, President Obama made history when he flew to Cuba in March 2016. It was the first time that a sitting U.S. president had stepped foot in Cuba in nearly a hundred years. In President Obama's speech, he noted the previous reopening of the United States Embassy in Havana and said that he traveled to the country to bury the final remnants of the Cold War. Cubans who had fled to the United States during Fidel Castro's reign were allowed to visit their families again. Trade routes reopened, and American tourists could visit the island nation. It seemed like the beginning of a bright future. However, it was a brief window of peace in an endlessly complex international situation. By February 9, 2017, Jeffrey De Laurentiis, the American embassy's chief of mission in Havana, was briefed on several incidents involving American diplomats stationed in Cuba. Apparently, since December 30, 2016, as many as three embassy employees showed the symptoms of brain trauma after hearing a high-pitched, pulsing noise. De Laurentiis feared foul play, but considering the fraught state of American-Cuban relations, he wanted to solve the mystery without escalating tensions. He quietly sent the three Americans to an ear, nose, and throat specialist at the University of Miami. They were put through a standard physical exam and had advanced images taken of their inner ears. Initial thoughts were that the diplomats had damage to their inner ear. De Laurentiis kept these strange and frightening events secret while a small team investigated the origin of the malady. 
the agents swept the affected diplomats' residences in Cuba. Some were living in houses, others were in apartments. The agents were looking for any sort of hidden devices that might give them a clue, but nothing turned up. De Laurentiis' team was at a loss. They had no idea what happened, but they hoped these three cases were a random blip. Unfortunately, they weren't. Over the next few months, more diplomats suffered from the same experience. It seemed like the phenomenon was growing and the American government had no way to stop it. Coming up, Havana Syndrome continues to spread. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now back to the story. Beginning in late December 2016, U.S. diplomat Jeffrey De Laurentiis investigated the mysterious malady that affected three of his diplomats at the American embassy in Havana. But when nothing came of it, he hoped that it was nothing more than a strange coincidence. However, those three cases were only the beginning. One evening in March 2017, a screeching noise struck a Havana-based Foreign Service officer we'll call Andrea King. Like the three diplomats before her, King said the noise sounded like metal grating against metal. She also described a burst of debilitating pressure in her head. After a moment, King regained her faculties, but the effects of the sound lingered. The horrible event was followed by a feeling of extreme fatigue, a ringing in her ears, and an increased sensitivity to loud sounds and bright light. King's experience made it clear that the so-called Havana Syndrome wasn't an aberration. Jeffrey De Laurentiis realized he couldn't keep it quiet any longer and told the embassy's senior leadership what was going on. De Laurentiis gave them the option of getting tested if they felt dizzy, nauseous, or had recent memory loss. Nearly everyone, along with their families living with them, requested an evaluation. In total, around 80 people were tested. Dozens of them described feelings of being hit by a pressurized sound beam. One diplomat compared the feeling to driving with one of the car windows slightly down. In total, 12 of the people tested had inner ear damage. Clearly, something was wrong. 
By August 2017, the number of U.S. personnel and members of their family confirmed to have experienced Havana syndrome reached 16. Many were affected so severely that they were now incapable of doing their jobs. Some were simply too dizzy or nauseous to make it through the day. Others had trouble hearing, and a few couldn't go outside because of a new sensitivity to light. With the number of cases growing, the U.S. government knew there was no way to keep the story under wraps. So they decided to alert the public about the attacks before the story leaked. On August 11, 2017, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson said in a press conference that U.S. diplomats in Havana were the victims of what he coined health attacks. State Department officials thought the syndrome might be the result of some sort of sonic device. Tillerson didn't directly blame the Cubans for attacking the diplomats, but he intended to hold the Cuban authorities responsible for allowing harm to come to U.S. citizens within their borders. Tillerson had good reason to withhold blame from the Cubans. In the past two years, American-Cuban relations had made their biggest strides in decades. Furthermore, the Cubans had nothing to gain by harming U.S. citizens. Another reason not to suspect the Cubans was that a few Canadian officials experienced the Havana syndrome as well. Unlike the U.S., Canada had remained trading partners with Cuba throughout the Cold War. But Rex Tillerson's words didn't reflect the government's actions. Two months after Tillerson's press conference, the U.S. expelled 15 Cuban diplomats from their posts in Washington, D.C., and recalled almost every U.S. diplomat in Cuba. Only a small skeleton crew remained in Havana. In addition to this, the government immediately issued restrictions for U.S. citizens traveling to Cuba. The normalization of relations between the two countries was almost completely reversed in less than a year. In an attempt at some diplomacy, the U.S. government said its actions weren't retaliation. Rather, they were out of caution for their citizens. For its part, the Cuban government forcefully denied any role in the auditory attacks. The Cuban Foreign Ministry released a statement that read, Cuba has never, nor would it ever, allow the Cuban territory to be used for any action against accredited diplomatic agents or their families. And yet, the attacks kept coming. By the end of 2017, more than 30 American and Canadian diplomats stationed in Cuba complained of the same bizarre auditory phenomenon. It was hard for U.S. intelligence to discern who to trust. Cuba appeared to be acting in good faith, cooperating completely with the investigations. They'd even allowed six different delegations from the U.S. to investigate the syndrome's origins. Senator Patrick Leahy, one of the key architects of the improved U.S.-Cuba relationship, was positive Cuba wasn't responsible for the sonic attacks. Instead, he suggested the guilty party was someone with something to gain by undoing the recent progress, and the Cubans agreed. 
In late February 2017, Jeffrey De Laurentiis, chief of mission in Havana, accompanied a congressional delegation to meet with Cuban leader Raul Castro. After the meeting, Castro made the unusual request to meet with De Laurentiis privately. It was highly atypical for a Cuban president to hold a one-on-one with someone below the rank of ambassador. Castro emphasized that Cuban forces had nothing to do with the attack. He also directly asked for the U.S. government's continuing help in solving the perplexing mystery. Like the Americans, he suspected that a third country might be to blame. The president's then-National Security Advisor, H.R. McMaster, thought the most likely culprit was the Russian government. Russia had motive and means. Throughout the Cold War and beyond, Russia saw Cuba as a strategic ally both geographically and politically. But with the U.S. normalizing relations with the Cubans, that alliance was in danger. Russia wasn't afraid to play dirty to maintain the status quo. In 2012, Russian President Vladimir Putin said his country would pursue new instruments for achieving political and strategic goals. One of those instruments was money. In July 2014, Putin canceled over $30 billion in Cuban debt. The two nations also signed numerous accords meant to strengthen their bond. It appeared as if the United States and Russia were both competing to befriend Cuba. And maybe the Russians wanted to get rid of their rival. If they could drive a wedge between the U.S. and Cuba, nobody could impede Putin's goals. To confirm this suspicion, the CIA and National Security Agency turned over every single stone imaginable. They went to every residence where someone affected by the Havana Syndrome lived. They scoured hours of security tape and explored every back channel imaginable. But in the end, American investigators weren't able to find any evidence that Russia, or anyone else for that matter, had been involved. The U.S. government hit a dead end. That is, until similar cases started happening in China. In March 2018, a Commerce Department employee at the U.S. consulate in Guangzhou, who we'll call Catherine Werner, was hit by a strange sensation. Catherine woke up in the middle of the night, hearing a strange sound in her head. It created intense pressure on both of her temples. She described the noise as an oscillating hum that became excruciatingly painful. And it kept coming back. As the mysterious sounds continued, Catherine's symptoms became much worse. She had bouts of vomiting and occasionally woke up with nosebleeds. Even her dogs started throwing up blood. She initially thought China's poor air quality was to blame, but that was only because she hadn't been paying attention to the developments in Cuba. When she told officials at the embassy in China, they were cautious. They didn't want to sound the alarm in case Catherine's case was an isolated incident. However, their thinking changed when leadership at the embassy in China received a highly classified memo. Apparently, in late 2017, covert U.S. agents in Cuba 
claimed to have learned that Raul Castro privately suspected China, not Russia, was to blame for the sonic attacks. This information sent the State Department and American intelligence agencies scrambling. They wanted to keep this most recent development quiet, so they sent Catherine back to the United States to get tested. She was sent to the University of Pennsylvania, where doctors confirmed that Catherine's symptoms were similar to those suffered by diplomats in Cuba. Havana syndrome had become a global issue. And Catherine's embassy boasted a much larger staff than its Cuban counterpart. There were around 170 full-time American diplomats in Guangzhou. Factoring in their families, that number nearly doubled. With nearly 300 American lives in danger, the U.S. government had to act fast. Coming up, we'll discuss the physical and political damages caused by Havana Syndrome. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, back to the story. By the spring of 2018, a strange phenomenon that had started in Havana, Cuba, was showing up in Guangzhou, China. Diplomats complained about an unusual sound that caused great distress, and U.S. government officials had no idea what was causing it. A man we'll call Mark Lenzi, a security engineering officer at the U.S. consulate in China, experienced the sounds multiple times while putting his son in his crib. He described the sound like a marble going around a long funnel, getting louder as time went on. After hearing the sound, Mark experienced short-term memory loss. He couldn't remember why he entered a room or what he had for breakfast that morning. But his doctors didn't know how to solve that problem. All they could do was prescribe glasses after he developed an acute sensitivity to light. It wasn't long before Mark learned other people in his building were experiencing the same symptoms. A man we'll call Rob Garfield was a trade officer with the U.S. Commerce Department stationed in China. He lived in a small apartment with his wife, Britta, and their young daughter, Kelsey. Shortly after arriving, Rob started feeling an electrical sensation on the sides of his head. He heard the same high-pitched noise as the others and immediately felt fuzzy. Days later, his daughter Kelsey started having trouble keeping her balance. Rob was convinced that whatever was happening to him was affecting Kelsey, too. 
he was terrified that she might suffer brain damage. When Mark Lindsay heard Rob's account, he was furious. Catherine Werner had been gone for over a month, and no one had warned him he might be in danger, too. Lindsay sent a terse email to the entire embassy staff, letting them know what he had heard and chastising the U.S. government. He didn't feel like the State Department was doing enough to protect its workers, and he wasn't the only one who felt this way. By the spring of 2018, Rex Tillerson was out as Secretary of State and Mike Pompeo was in. On May 23rd, Pompeo announced that the U.S. and China were working together to figure out why the incidents in Havana and Guangzhou seemed so similar. In response to this growing sense of unease, Secretary Pompeo created a healthcare task force to examine the unexplained incidents. While this development was meant to calm U.S. diplomats around the world, it only increased their anxiety. To them, it felt like the phenomenon was spreading, and they didn't know who would be hit next. Shortly after Pompeo's announcement, the State Department expanded a travel alert for the entire nation of China. This alert warned diplomats of unexplained physical symptoms or events, auditory or sensory phenomena. The alert also included a wide variety of symptoms identical to those diagnosed with Havana syndrome. Following that, a directive came down that said the embassy's employees and their families would be evaluated by doctors in Guangzhou. If they had similar symptoms or signs of any brain or ear injuries, they would be evacuated. Just like Cuba, the Chinese government denied any involvement in the bizarre and frightening story. Through their state media, they announced, practically all Chinese people do not believe that this country's official organizations would carry out such sonic attacks against U.S. diplomats. This does not fit with China's basic concept and principles of diplomacy and is inconceivable. To many in the U.S. government, this denial felt hollow. The two countries were becoming involved in an intense trade war. It didn't seem like a coincidence that the diplomats affected in China worked in the Commerce Department. Making matters worse, 15 of the 300 Americans required additional examinations. Some were evacuated back to the U.S. for further evaluation at the University of Pennsylvania, where Catherine Werner had her tests done. However, after more in-depth tests, only one of those 15 needed further testing. American officials were left just as confused as they had been before. It felt like they were chasing shadows. Even weirder, just as the problem was getting out of hand, it seemingly disappeared. After the events in China, hardly any cases bearing a resemblance to the Havana syndrome popped up anywhere. The theories surrounding Havana syndrome were vast. Some believed it was some sort of weapon, while others thought it might be a case of mass hysteria. Neurologists at the University of Pennsylvania and the University of Miami studied the brains of all those who believed they were struck by the strange sound. The neurologist found many had injuries resembling concussions. 
Doctors observed that the injuries were similar to ones suffered by soldiers who had been struck by improvised explosive devices, or IEDs, in Afghanistan or Iraq. While the physical damage was completely different, the symptoms were similar to the concussive blasts from an explosion. Typically, the vibrations from an IED detonated within a few feet of a person causes the brain to shake within the skull, and in the worst cases, this brain damage leads to severe swelling and possibly death. However, none of the Havana Syndrome victims had any recollection of head trauma, and the doctors thought sonic blasts wouldn't have been capable of altering the diplomats' brains. But somehow, scans showed certain differences in the brains of diplomats affected in Cuba. Dr. Douglas Smith, who led the team at the University of Pennsylvania, said there was no prior record of the type of brain injuries the victims of Havana syndrome experienced. No one had seen anything like it. Because most of the victims reported hearing noises, some health officials initially shared the belief that the victims had been hit by a sonic blast, but that didn't solve all of the problems. Dr. Smith felt the most pressing mystery with the injuries was what he dubbed the immaculate concussion. For a sonic wave to cause brain damage, a victim's head would have to be submerged underwater. It was only then that the waves could have enough amplitude to cause any physical harm to the brain. While Smith continued to search for the culprit of the syndrome, he started to consider other types of concussive beams that could have been used. He studied various spectrums of beams and eventually determined the blast wasn't sonic in nature. Instead, Smith thought it might be a microwave beam. Sound waves only travel at the speed of sound, while microwaves can travel at the speed of light. This means they have an increased amount of energy. And while they don't produce sounds in the traditional sense, microwaves can trick the brain into producing auditory sensations if directly beamed inside someone's head. So while no actual sound is emitted, the brain might interpret the stimuli as hearing an unpleasant sound. A microwave blast could create the necessary trauma for a concussion without any sign of external impact to the head. But as of this recording, Dr. Smith hasn't been able to definitively prove his hypothesis. And to this day, no weapon of this kind exists. Or at least, none that we know of. As more time passed without an answer, New theories regarding the cause of Havana syndrome emerged. Some claimed the injuries were caused by a viral infection or by crickets. Others suggested that the diplomats had a moment of shared hysteria brought on by the high-threat, high-stress post in Havana. Before each diplomat was sent to Cuba, it was drilled into their heads that there they would be under significant surveillance. These diplomats had to adjust to a high probability that there would be listening devices in their houses and even in their cars. That type of environment might lead to paranoia, which in turn could produce physical effects in those stationed there. 
but the diplomats who developed symptoms had zero doubts they were victims of a specific, purposeful attack. They felt the beams. They experienced nausea and vertigo. They were certain they all heard the same deafening metal scraping. They have documented brain and inner ear changes to prove it. Politics, both domestic and international, clouded everything. When it came to the various intersecting narratives of the mystery, politicians had vastly different interests that might prevent them from telling the truth. From trying to win trade wars while pleasing disparate political bases, to protect national secrets and classified weapons, it's almost impossible to know what each country's leaders' true intentions were. Worst of all, this mystery may have significantly set back relations between the United States and Cuba. After the Havana Syndrome emerged, the American staff operating in Cuba went from 53 diplomats to just over 12. Similarly, Cuba sent about two-thirds of its staff in Washington back to their island. By 2018, then-National Security Advisor John Bolton started grouping Cuba with Venezuela and Nicaragua, calling them the Triangle of Terror. The reversal was complete. Almost all progress between the U.S. and Cuba had been lost. We still don't know for certain what caused these horrific events. But next time, we'll examine three of the most popular theories surrounding Havana Syndrome. First, that it was caused by a government weapon that's been covered up. There is a chance that intelligence agencies around the world have a vested interest in keeping the details of Havana and Guangzhou a secret from citizens. Maybe they don't want to reveal that they bungled the investigation, or they're trying to keep the public from panicking. Perhaps the offending country apologized and the incident was smoothed over. Keeping it a secret may be imperative to peaceful international relations. The second theory is a bit more bizarre. Havana syndrome is caused by a species of insect. Yes, the damage may have been done by insects. Lastly, it's been proposed that the syndrome is a case of mass hysteria, brought on by years of international tensions. Havana syndrome may be the latest development in the Cold War, a war no one is even fighting anymore. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We'll be back on Thursday with part two of Havana Syndrome. For more information on Havana Syndrome, amongst the many sources we used, we found coverage by Vanity Fair and The New Yorker extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Unexplained Mysteries for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. See you next week. 
Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Matthew Garland, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rosner. Thank you.